Let us pray together. Almighty God, on this holy evening, when one of the deepest mysteries of our faith is opened up to us in word and in song and at the table, Lord, come now and fill this place with your presence. Be with this gathered body of believers. Be with me, the preacher of your word. I pray that you would anoint me, that uh, you would uh, hide me behind the cross of Jesus Christ, that you would come in power and might, anoint me to speak your word with authority and clarity. And I pray that each person here would receive a Christmas gift from the Holy Spirit through the word of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would grant us joy as we hear the retelling of the story of the coming of the Savior once again. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I, I have been uh, coming to the pulpit now for this is the 28th year. And, uh, yeah, that's okay. Go right ahead. Come on, come on. You know you need to go. You need to go. That's all right. But this is the 28th year that I have come to the pulpit to proclaim the mystery of the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God in human flesh come among us. And so this night is a very powerful night. It's a very wonderful night in which we hear the wonderful good news of the incarnation proclaimed once again, over and over again, over and over again. We've done this now only for the last almost exactly 2,000 years as believers have come together to rejoice in the good news of Jesus' uh, coming among us, God incarnate in Jesus Christ. One of the things that I know from doing this over the years is that the folks who come to this service basically come for a few reasons. They come uh, to sing Christmas carols. I am so excited to finally get to really sing some Christmas carols. By the way, just FYI, today, tonight, actually at sundown today, begins the 12 days of Christmas. So in case you didn't know, this is the beginning of Christmas for believers. So tomorrow is not, oh my gosh, I'm so glad Christmas is over. No, folks, I got, I got news for you. It just gets started tomorrow. The party begins tomorrow. Hanukkah's great. I know they have, what, is it eight crazy days and nights? Is that what the song goes. Yeah, and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so I know that's wonderful. We get 12 days, though, for Christmas, and it goes all the way to January the 6th, and it begins tonight. So we come tonight to sing some carols. We come tonight to hear the Christmas story from Luke chapter uh, 2, verses 1 through 20 again. We love hearing that story. It never gets old. And kids, if you're here tonight, I want that, that story to just take root in your heart. It's something that you're going to come back to over and over again to hear that Christmas Christmas story about how Jesus came among us, about how the angels came and spoke to the shepherds, how the shepherds went to Bethlehem, how they found the baby lying in a manger wrapped in those swaddling clothes, and how excited they were, and they told everybody what happened. Another thing that we come for on this evening is uh, we come for the candlelight. You know, seriously, it's beautiful. The lights go out all this, oh my goodness, look at these lights. Uh, the, the lights are going to go off tonight, and at silent night, holy night, we're going to sing, Chris, uh, we're gonna sing uh, that Christmas carol to candlelight, in the, uh, just with the lights from the candles. That's going to be beautiful. And we come to meet the Lord at his table. So that's why we come on Christmas Eve. What we don't come for on Christmas Eve is to hear a theological treatise from the pulpit. 
That's not why, that's, nobody comes for that. We found this out. It took years for us at Christ Church to figure out that's not why people came on Christmas Eve. But tonight, I want to go back to that Christmas story, and I want to show you a couple of wonderful things from the Scriptures that I hope that are going to make you just rejoice in the amazing wisdom and glory of God that he had planned this from all eternity past, that the Savior would come the way he did in Bethlehem, and what it means for us this evening. And so what I want to do right now is I want to turn to the scriptures that we just heard, and I want to kind of unwrap the fact that God's whole story, the story of God's mission to save and renew his creation is revealed tonight because there is a direct connection. Listen, there's a direct connection between the manger of Bethlehem and between the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The entire story of God's redeeming work is foreshadowed in the passages that we just heard this evening. Let me give you, let me explain the connection between the manger of Christmas and the empty tomb of Easter. What do the angels tell the shepherds in Luke's gospel that we heard tonight? Listen to what they say. First words out of their mouth, or out of the angel's mouth before the heavenly host show up. Fear not. Be not afraid. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes or swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Those first two words, listen, fear not. Uh, my friend Greg Jinks, we, we talk almost every day. He is, he is my BFF, and he's the guy I hike the Appalachian Trail with. And so if, uh, if I precede him in death, he will be standing here in this pulpit to, to preach my funeral. But as, uh, uh, as probably will happen, if he goes first, I'll go to Garner United Methodist Church and preach his because he's just not as clean liver as me. And uh, so... But no, uh, this is what Je that my buddy Greg Jinks says about this. He said, the same words that pierced the darkness of the night of Christ's birth accompanied the dawn of the resurrection morning. Listen to that again. The same words that pierced the darkness of the night of Christ's birth accompanied the dawn of the resurrection morning. What is, what, what is told to the women who come to the tomb on resurrection morning? Listen to what the angel says to them. Fear not, <laughs> be not afraid, for I know that you, have, you, that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And the connection, listen, the connection between the manger and the empty tomb does not end there. On the day of resurrection, what does the angel tell the women who bring the gift of myrrh to anoint the body of the crucified Jesus? Oh, by the way, what is it that the wise men brought? Hmm, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yes, that's right. You've been to Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. You know, absolutely. That's right, Livy. So what, do they, what does he tell to them? What does he say to those who come seeking the crucified Jesus, the angel echoes the sign of the birth of Emmanuel. Listen, remember what it said? You will see the baby lying in a manger. Listen to what the angel says. Come and see the place where he lay. 
you will find the baby lying in the manger. Come and see the place where he lay. It's meant to come together like that in our hearts. See the empty tomb where he used to lay. And by the way, what did Simon Peter and John find in the empty tomb? The place where Jesus lay. After they got Mary Magdalene's report that Jesus was alive, they found the empty linen cloths that had wrapped the body of the crucified one. What did they find? They found, they found empty swaddling cloths. As a matter of fact, if you look at Eastern Orthodox icons of the nativity, baby Jesus is wrapped in the cloths that are used for burial. Christians have always seen this connection. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been placed on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths but folded up in a place by itself. So what does this mean for us tonight? What is the glorious mystery here? We're not just celebrating the birth of a baby on Christmas evening. We are not just celebrating Jesus' teaching and his healing. We come celebrating the, the fact that this baby came to earth with a mission. He came, he came with a cosmic purpose. St. John declares that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John chapter 3. So this baby came to conquer our rebellion against God and all the misery and evil that that rebellion had provoked. This baby came to trample down death by dying on the cross and rising victorious again from the tomb. And that baby is the sovereign and soon coming king of the universe who wants to be born, listen, in, in your heart and in my heart this evening so that we can share in his victory, and rejoice with him in eternity when he comes again in glory. The one who laid in the manger wrapped in swaddling cloths is the one who is laid in the tomb swaddled in a death shroud. And he has risen up and is king of kings and lord of lords and reclaims all that is rightfully his. That's what we celebrate tonight. By his birth, death, and resurrection, Jesus claims my life tonight. Jesus claims your life tonight. And so tonight, of all nights, won't you let him be your Lord? And there's an, another even sweeter truth. This is so precious. That's embedded in this passage here that we read from Luke chapter 2. Listen again to Luke 2, 4 through 7. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, we all know through this passage and in other references in Scripture that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But what we might not know is what that word, that name, Bethlehem, means. This is wonderful. Beth, Bethlehem means house of bread. Bethlehem means house of bread. He was, so where was this baby cradled in the house of bread? Where was baby Jesus placed in, when he came to the house of bread? Where did they place him? 
they put him in a manger, in a feed trough where common animals fed. None of this is by chance. God shouts the veiled truth and beauty of these events if we have ears to hear. And this is what he would have us hear. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 6? Jesus said, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In the house of bread, they placed the bread of life in a feed trough. It's kind of like God, it's almost he's kind of like taking us by the shoulders in this scripture, and he's like saying, don't you hear what I'm saying to you? Don't you get what's going on here? I'm giving you bread, the bread of life. You know, here's the sweet, glorious mystery, if we can just receive it. God feeds the world the bread of life from the manger of Bethlehem. For us, bread, um, I'm going to go home. Many of you are going to go home tonight and have your Christmas Eve meal. And tomorrow we're going to have, oh my gosh, we're, we're going to have so much to repent of after the next couple of days. Um, there will be roast beef and Yorkshire pudding, and I don't know what else in my house. It's going to be calories. I mean, we could power a space shuttle off of the calories that we're going to be using in my house. But God feeds the bread of life from the manger of Bethlehem. And for us, though, this bread, when we think of bread, we think of it as a side dish that we might have around our Christmas banquet tonight or tomorrow sometime. But for those who are living in the first century, in the time when, when, those, when those shepherds heard, go to Bethlehem and see the baby in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. For those people, bread was not just a side dish. For those living in the first century, bread was literally the staff of life. It was essential food. And if you did not have that bread, you would starve to death. For them to hear the word bread meant to hear the word necessary nourishment to live. If we do not go to the house of bread and receive the bread of life, served to us in the manger, we will starve to death. If we do not have Jesus Christ in our lives tonight, we by default are desperately trying to feed ourselves on basically what amounts to emptiness. We are an obese nation starving to death because we refuse to embrace the one who can truly bring life, Jesus Christ. God has set a banquet of love and forgiveness for us in the manger tonight. And beloved, on this Christmas Eve, I want to ask you, won't you receive this bread of life? Won't you let him be your Lord? Tonight, followers of Jesus, those of us who love him and follow him and know him, those who have by faith have personally received Jesus Christ. Tonight, we gather to experience the cleansing from sin and the nourishment of our bodies and souls through the holy meal that we're going to have from this table tonight. Once again, we are going to feast on the bread that came down from heaven for us. Jesus says to us at this table, this is my body, this is my blood. Do not be afraid. Come and see the place where he is laid tonight. He is laid on the altar. 
Christ comes to us under these humble signs of bread and wine to raise us up to rejoice with Him in glory. For those of us who follow Jesus, when we come to this table, listen to me, when we come to this table tonight, this is so amazing, we are coming to the house of bread. You are literally coming to Bethlehem tonight at this table. If you are a follower of Jesus, coming with faith and repentance, and you will receive him as those shepherds did as their Savior and Lord. Tonight, if we're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if we're here for some other reason than, well, I don't know, than because we wanted to come and meet Jesus here tonight. Maybe we came because somebody made us come. <laughs> that happens. I know for sure it's going to happen at 11 o'clock. <laughs> I've got a list of people that are coming. <laughs> Maybe we came out of sentiment this night because we know that this is where we kind of get this Christmas spirit from. If you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord tonight, I want to invite you to open your heart to Him and trust in Him to be your Savior. What, one of the, I, I often think, okay, so I accepted Christ in April, years and years ago, in, in the 70s. But wouldn't it have been cool to accept and receive Jesus Christ as my Savior on Christmas Eve when we celebrate the fact that He came to save us? And maybe that's you tonight. I want you, if you don't know him, to open your heart to him and trust him to be your Savior so that you will be able to rejoice with us that on the night of the feast of the birth of Jesus, you found the life that is truly life and that you found the bread that came down from heaven and was born in the house of bread and laid <laughs> in a place where animals eat to feed just plain old animals. Christ comes to feed plain old people just like you and me tonight. This is the wonderful mystery that we celebrate. Let us come with joy even unto Bethlehem to see our Savior, Christ, who is born for us tonight. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.